Hello and welcome to Family Room Discussions, where you invite me, Dalton Anderson, to your Come Follow Me study, and we discuss ideas, questions, and insights to the week's lesson. Let me be clear, I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I am your average saint trying to build my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures, and I have found that by discussing Come Follow Me with others, it helps me to do just that. My sincere hope is that for those struggling to study Come Follow Me for whatever reason, maybe because you're single and you don't have others to study with, or like me, your kids are still too young to understand English, or really for any other reason, that you will allow me to join your family for about 30 minutes to help with that gospel dialogue. With that, let's start this family room discussion. Brothers and sisters, family and friends, this is episode 24, following along with lesson 23, Alma chapters 8 to 12, and this will mark me catching up on the episodes that I was late for, which once again, I apologize. Um, So let's get into the introduction. It says, God's work will not fail, but our efforts to help his work sometimes seem to fail. At least we may not immediately see the outcomes we hope for. At times we might feel a little like Alma when when he preached the gospel in Ammonihah, rejected, spit on, and cast out. Yet when an angel instructed him to go back and try again, Alma courageously returned speedily, and God prepared a way before him. Not only did he provide Alma food to eat and a place to stay, but he also prepared Amulek, who became a fellow laborer, a fierce defender of the gospel, and a faithful friend. When we face setbacks and disappointments as we serve in the Lord's kingdom, we can remember how God supported and led Alma, and we can trust that God will support and lead us too, even in difficult circumstances. And I love that, that last bit where it's, you know, when we face setbacks, um, that we can remember Alma's example and trust that the Lord will support us too. I also want to say that that is easier said than done from my experience that, you know, when I'm going through some really tough times, um, it's a lot easier said that I can, you know, remember than in the actual moment. But there were several times in my mission actually where I leaned on Alma's example for support because, um, you know, obviously he was going through a tough time and a mission is full of tough times. I think it's why in in the church that we use mission examples so often is because it was the probably the one time in our life that we were so focused on the gospel 24-7 that it provided opportunities to go through extremely discouraging times, you know? Um, but even in life, even in my normal post-mission experiences, it's true God is always there to lead and support us. And, uh, you know, we just need to remain faithful to that. So um, I really loved this set of scriptures. I love I love the companionship of Alma and Amulek. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, well, let's get, you know what? Let's go into the section that'll come out of, uh, of why I love this so much. So section one, ideas for personal scripture study in the first chunk, Alma 8, it says, My efforts to share the gospel may require persistence and patience. Even though someone may reject your testimony of the gospel, that doesn't mean that you should lose hope after all. Or excuse me, lose hope. After all, the Lord won't give up on that person, and he will guide you in how to act. In Alma's case, an angel commanded him to return to Ammonihah to preach the gospel, even though the people there had already violently rejected him. What do you learn from Alma's example of sharing the gospel despite challenges and opposition? Which verses in Alma 8 increase your desire to share the gospel? And the two verses that I love that kind of did this for me was 17 and 31. So in 17 it says, For behold, they do study at this time that they may destroy the liberty of thy people. For thus saith the Lord, which is contrary to the statutes and judgments and commandments which he has given unto his people. And that verse just reminds me that 
the opposition is strong and they're not slowing down. Like Satan is not slowing down his work. And, and so as a follower of God, I can't get lazy. I need to be ready at all times um, to be able to combat Satan. And, you know, it's funny because I feel like Satan's followers, whether known or unknown, are just always ready and prepared because, you know, it's a lot easier. It feels like it's a lot easier to do the wrong thing than the right thing and uh, to be ready with that. And then the other verse was in 31 where it says, and they had power given unto them in insomuch that they could not be confined in dungeons. Neither was it possible that any man could slay them. Nevertheless, they did not exercise their power until they were bound in bands and cast into prison. Now this was done that the Lord might show forth his power in them. And um, to me, I love that example of the priesthood where it talks about how they were given power. Um, but they, they didn't exercise that power until... Uh, the like essentially God commanded them to and just the responsibility that, that priesthood power is um, for all of us to recognize that uh, you know as, as the spider-man quote goes uh, with much responsibility or with much power comes great responsibility and uh, and that is true it's a true principle that those that are blessed with that power, are also there's an expectation and a responsibility to be able to use that within the the uh, bounds that the Lord has set, and so I love that example and from them just that as we share the gospel, we'll be given that power and the power to do miracles in God's name. So those are the two verses that for me at least stuck out that increased my desire to share the gospel. So then in the next chunk of uh, God judges his children according to the light and knowledge they have. When reading about uh, the way the Nephites and Ammonites have treated the Lord's servant, it is easy to forget they were once a gospel-living and highly favored people of the Lord. In fact, part of Alma's message to the people in Ammonihah was that because they had hardened their hearts despite being so richly blessed, their state was worse than that of the Lamanites, who sinned mostly in ignorance. What does this, uh, this contrast teach us about how God judges his children? And it's so funny how timely this feels right now with everything happening in the world. But um, to me, this teaches us that the contrast is God does not judge us um, like the same. He judges us fairly. So I will be judged according to the knowledge that I had, the gifts that I was given, um, the blessings that I received innately in my life. I'll be judged according to that. Whereas others, other people, right, people who didn't have an opportunity for the gospel or um, just weren't born with the same blessings that I inherently had, will be judged according to what they've been given. And that it's, I love how it's not my job or anyone else's job to do God's judgments for him. And there's a lot of that happening in the world right now where, seems like a lot of people feel like they need to step in and act as God does. And uh, instead of us, you know, looking at how we can live in a society where we're all able to, to treat one another like brothers and sisters. Um, you know, and, and so I just feel like it's crazy how timely this lesson feels, especially with what's happening in the world. If you're not studying, come follow me. 
I encourage you to st- like study Come Follow Me because I promise you this is so uh, – it's, it's just been crazy. As, we've, as I've gone week over week and, and been studying the lessons, it is like this is exactly what I need right now in my life at this time. Uh, my testimony that this is inspired has increased more and more as things in the world continue to uh, like seem to go wrong. And then further, it says, as you read about the great blessings God gave the people of Nephi, especially, I uh, see especially in Alma 9, 19 to 23, it says, ponder the great blessings he has given you. What are you doing to stay true to these blessings and what changes do you feel you need to make? Um, I I just encourage you to ask, to, to really focus on this question to yourself uh, because I did and it really struck me. This was a really inspired question. As I pondered the blessings I've received, and, and there are countless, countless blessings as I was thinking about this, just for starters, my family, my precious family, my wife, my son, my daughter, and um, you just got to celebrate Maggie's first birthday, and it's just so weird to me to, to stop and sit there and think, oh my gosh, I'm a dad of two children, um, one who's two, almost three, and another who's one, and how surreal that feels. And then also I celebrated my um, six month or excuse me, six year mark being home from the mission on June 4th and on June 6th marked eight years since I went out on my mission and just thinking where life has taken me, how far I've come, how much further I need to go, which is significantly more. But as I, as I pondered that all part of this lesson as well, um, it was just really surreal to think of like what I need to do to stay true to the blessings I've been giving, just how much I have been blessed with. And then I, there was definitely some things that I want to make course corrections with and, and changes in my life to make sure that I am always showing gratitude for the blessings I've been given. And so if anything from this lesson, I recommend that question, asking yourself and taking that once uh, seriously. And the next chunk, it says, God's plan is a plan of redemption. And um, I'm just going to jump down to to the part where it says, you could also write a short summary of what Alma and Amulek taught about the following aspects of the plan. And then I just want to say that I feel like this activity should be a requirement for all, all youth preparing to go on missions, is having to do this, to write down a short summary of of like the fall the redeemer repentance death resurrection judgment if i would have done that before my mission i would have been immensely more prepared and also would have had half a clue of what i was talking about from day one (laughs) like because it's funny like i i do know the answers right i i've grown up in the church my whole life and i did know the answers to the fall the redeemer repentance death does resurrection and judgment but when you think about having to explain it to someone else it's um that's vastly different and it's a very scary predicament to find yourself in so i feel like that should be a activity that should be a mission prep and i'm sure it is but um that's something like with my kids i'm for sure having them do like i'm gonna make them teach me as they learn it like okay so what is the fall and why is it so important and uh this set of scriptures that we're reading here um this alma 8 to to 12 is like perfect to answer these questions and then further it says, if I will not harden my heart, I can receive more of the word of God. Some people may wonder why Heavenly Father doesn't make everything known to us. In Alma 12, 9-14, Alma explained one possible reason God's mysteries are sometimes withheld from us. 
These questions could help you ponder what he taught. Um, bullet point one, what does it mean to harden our hearts? Do you ever notice this tendency in yourself? And the answer for me is yes, I do notice that. And um, like, what does it mean? I think it means like not showing God the proper respect. Um, uh, it, uh, it's it's easier to use an example than the actual like answering what what does it mean to harden the heart so one example the other night I was uh it was late and I hadn't said my prayers and I had rolled into bed totally forgot then I was laying there and the spirit reminded me you have to say your prayers and I literally sat there and I was like oh, I just don't want to well that was me hardening my heart right like to me, that was me doing that. And I literally, like, fought, saying, like, like he's heard from me all day. I've said multiple prayers today. I'm sure it's fine to, like, just not end my day with a prayer. It'll be fine. And, gosh, I can't even remember, actually, if I did or didn't. I probably didn't. But, you know, and there was a time this week that I did. So, where the same thing happened, and I, I did. So... Um, yes, the answer is obviously is yes. I do notice that tendency myself and I have to com combat that. And we all have to combat that because it, I think that's a very human experience, especially the natural man. Like we have to, um, we have to make sure that we're not allowing our heart to be hardened. Right. Uh, and then it goes on to say like on the second one, it says, why might the Lord withhold his word from those who have hardened their hearts? But then and I don't have a thought there, but on the next one, it says, how have you experienced the promise of receiving a greater portion um, of the word of God? And there's actually a specific point that I can think of where I was looking for answers. And uh, I can't remember what specific answers I was looking for, but I know it had to do with like uh, a doctrinal question of sorts. And anyway... I've been praying forever. I think actually I'd already talked about this in a previous podcast where a general conference, um, one of the speakers said exactly the thing that I was like, oh my gosh, that's the answer. And and that was, I felt like that was me receiving a greater portion of the word, you know, and, and I can receive further as long as I continue to um, like remain true and faithful. And then... Uh, on the last one, it says, what can you do to ensure God's word is found in you? Um, if you had God's word in you, what effect would it have on your words, works, and thoughts? And I, I don't really have anything that I think of other than just, like, by constantly studying the scriptures, by constantly, like, savoring up the word of God and um, keeping it sacred, like, that's how you'll make sure, like, ensure that it's found in you, right? And then in the second uh, second section, ideas for family scripture study and family home evening. In the first chunk, it says Alma eight ten to eighteen. What can we learn from Alma about obeying the Lord speedily, even when it might be difficult? And uh, I think what we can learn is that as we act upon the promptings the Lord gives us, He'll bless us faster. Like Alma was blessed almost immediately upon entering the city. Right, he met Amulek and got a nice meal. It was awesome. That's a great blessing. And uh, and then it goes on to say, to reinforce this principle with small children, you could play a game where you give instructions for a task and see how quickly family members accomplish it. For instance, you might see who could who could quickly fold a piece of clothing. 
Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to do this with Flynn this week when we do our um, when we do our FHE. There's a hundred percent an activity I'm going to try. We had tried one last week, or uh, yeah, we had tried a, an activity last week, and I didn't mention this in the in the pod, previous podcast, but we had tried this thing where we tried to ask him about his fears and that just went horribly he's just still too young it's so tough and uh but but we're trying right that's that's all you can do with as a parent of young children you can all you do is try and and help them and make it fun make them enjoy being together as a family and and that truly is the i think what matters the most from my young and experienced experience (laughs) Uh, I have nothing, nothing, no thoughts on the the second chunk there. Alma ten one to twelve, but then Alma ten twenty two to twenty three says, "What do we learn from these verses about the influence of a group of righteous people can have in a wicked city?" And I'm going to actually read the verses to help out here. It says, "Yea, and I say unto you that if it were not for the prayers of the righteous who are now in the land, that ye would even now be visited with utter destruction. Yet it would not be by flood, as were the people in the days of Noah, but it would be by famine, and by pestilence and the sword." But it is by the prayers of the righteous that you are spared. Now, therefore, if you will cast out the righteous from among you, then will not the Lord stay his hand, but in his fierce anger he will come out against you. Then ye shall be smitten by famine and by pestilence and by the sword. And the time is soon at hand except ye repent. That's actually really powerful that it was because of the prayers of the righteous and the righteous in the city that the city was being spared. And I think that is a very powerful example right now in the world where wickedness is all over and so never discount the influence you have on your community it very well could be your prayers up to the lord that are protecting you and your neighbors and your community and the nation and just on a global scale right like Never discount the influence you you are having by just trying and trying to do your best and trying to be a good saint. And um, I think that's something that I realized and, and really took as I was reading this. That really stuck out to me, actually, that I, I need to be increasing my faith and using my faith to try and, like, bless my community and seek blessings for my community and to really be doing my part. To um to make sure we have a strong like a, a strong community and network of saints here in my area, and then in the uh, the last chunk here, Alma eleven thirty four to thirty seven, it says, "What is the difference between Jesus Christ saving us in our sins and from our sins?" And I love the clarification or or the expounding of this scripture in Helaman five ten, where it says. And remember also the words which Amulek spake unto Zeezrom in the city of Ammonihah. For he said unto him that the Lord surely should come to redeem his people, but that he should not come to redeem them in their sins, but to redeem them from their sins. Which, essentially the same wording as in the 34 to 37 of Alma 11. But uh, to me it helps point out the fact that he was specifying a word in versus from, and that's what they were talking about. What I find more interesting than... I guess what we're supposed to get from this lesson is the fact that words, even the smallest word like in versus from, um, are extremely important. And that it's the details of the words that that are, are important when we're explaining the gospel. Like here, 
Amulek was dealing with a bunch of lawyers who were extremely trained, not only in the scriptures, but in the law. And he knew the importance of Christ saving us in our sins versus from our sins and was able to expound then upon that one concept and that one principle, right? And that's amazing to me. Like, I don't know if I could teach the gospel on that detailed of a level, um, but he was able to. And, and I think we do need to be able to do that. So never discount a word or how important it is to, to get the words right. My grandpa does this, actually. He, he gets very strict when we talk about um, taking out your endowment. Um, he, he always reminds me how inappropriate it is to say that. It, you're not taking out anything. He's like, this isn't a bank. The temple's not a bank, and you're not going in and taking out something. This isn't a deposit. Um, it's receiving your endowment. And it was actually funny because one time I had said uh, I, to, to get your endowment, and uh, someone went to correct me, and I said, now hold on. Get is just a synonym for receive, right? And uh, they were like, well, it's you know, receive. So I asked my grandpa, I was like, grandpa, is, is it inappropriate to say get? And he's like, no, it's not inappropriate. However, it still sounds better to say receive. And I was like, well, I can, ac- I can agree with that. I can accept that. But so just recognizing that, you know, our words have, have important meaning in the church and that never be offended when someone corrects you um, to, to, to like fix up your wording on, on things right? I've had to learn this lesson. I've been corrected many a times over my, my life. And, um, I remember as a teenager, I always hated being corrected, but I'm so glad that I was at least open enough to actually like accept the correction. Like for instance, you know, take out endowment versus receive endowment. And it it has changed the meaning and the message of the temple for me in in a big way where, um, I, I have, acquaintances who when I've tried to offer some helpful encouragement of like well try saying this you know they're not as open to it and it's um it's not necessarily about listening to me but it's more of the attitude that comes with when you don't take serious the ordinances or the language involved in the ordinances or the language when dealing with Christ and uh, Heavenly Father then I don't think you can have the same expectation of them when in taking your word seriously and uh so that's an important lesson i feel like where as we take those things seriously um we learn the deeper meaning of both the scriptures but also of speaking with christ and heavenly father and so uh, those are my thoughts from this lesson and i'm going to jump real quick into the the scriptures there was several that stood out so let me just jump into those and then we'll wrap up so uh i already did out what i saw in alma chapter eight let me go to alma nine and i'm gonna have my once again physical copy out so you'll hear page flipping but first one is in alma nine fifteen. it says nevertheless i say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for them in the day of judgment than for you if you remain in your sins Yea, and even more tolerable for them in this life than for you, except you repent. And even additionally, in 16, it says, For there are many promises which are extended to the Lamanites, for it is because of the traditions of their fathers that caused them to remain in their state of ignorance. Therefore, the Lord will be merciful unto them and prolong their existence in the land. And 
one, I love how the Lord judges us on a separate level, right? Um, and in 16, right, where it says, therefore the Lord will be merciful unto them and prolong their existence in the land. Like, talk about talk about the the blessings that is for the, the Lamanites, but more of, talk about how, how blessed we all are that the Lord will be so merciful that he understands our exact experiences, that he will judge us. Like, what a privilege, you know? Like, that's that's the privilege of this gospel. Um, and then the next verse, kind of like mumbled there, but in the next verse that I liked was in chapter 9, verse 28. Uh, having some difficulties getting there. Hold on. Okay. Nope. Nope, jump the gun, and okay, now. Therefore prepare ye the way of the Lord, for the, the time is at hand that all men shall reap a reward of their works according to that which they, have, which they have been. If they have been righteous, they shall reap the salvation of their souls according to the power and deliverance of Jesus Christ. And if they have been evil, they shall reap the damnation of their souls according to the power and captiv- captivation of the devil. And that beginning part where it says, therefore prepare ye the way of the Lord, I just, and it says, for the time is at hand that all men shall reap a reward, I just feel like that is... With everything happening in the world, that just feels more prevalent right now. Obviously, Alma was talking about the first coming, but I just feel like this is this scripture applies right now to the second coming. In Alma 10.4, it says, And behold, I am also a man of no small reputation among all those who know me. This one was more funny. The reason it stuck out to me, it just I mean, I feel like I could translate this to saying, like, I'm kind of a big deal. Have you heard about me? I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> and I also am a man of no small reputation among those. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. I'm going to start telling people. And, hey, by the way, I'm a man of no small reputation, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, okay, so the next one that stands out to me was in Alma 11, verse 4. Um, so Alma 11, Alma 11 is kind of funny because this is where we kind of get into the the currencies, right? And when Lex and I were dating and we were reading the scriptures together and we got to this, she always wanted to skip over this. She was like, this is unimportant scripture. And I always used to chastise, and I still do, where I'm like, excuse me? Like, Mormon would not have put it in if it wasn't vital. And uh, and so I always look, try to look for lessons. I purposely try to pull out lessons from these verses about the money and the currency. And so here's one I pulled out on this this time going through. So it says, Now these are the names of the different pieces of their gold and of their silver according to their value, and the names that are given by the Nephites, for they did not reckon after the manner of the Jews who were in Jerusalem, neither did they measure after the manner of the Jews. But they altered their reckoning and their measure according to the minds and the circumstances of the people in every generation to the reign of the judges, they having been established by King Mosiah. And then it goes on from, like, verses 5 all the way down to, like, uh, what is it, 19? or 20, yeah, 19. And it talks about, like, the Senum and the Amnor and the Ezraum. And, okay, so here's what I thought about, though. Um, obviously, we have to have a testimony of the Book of Mormon for ourselves, like, on a spiritual level. But just from a logical level, Joseph Smith was like a farm boy, right? And and a young man when the Book of Mormon was published. and And so... I've read a lot of books. I've read a lot of fiction books. I love I love books. I love reading. And I love fiction. I cannot think of a book that went through the currency of the book. Like, money's something that's kind of dealt with in a lot of fiction. Um, obviously, like, the transaction of money or whatever. But it's usually just passed off as, like, calling it currency or coin or gold or 
whatever. Like, it just if if the Book of Mormon is just a fiction book that uh, Joseph Smith made up, he's like the greatest fiction author in the history of fiction. That he comes up with this entire currency system, and for what, right? Because it feels so insignificant. This doesn't come up again later. This is just for this, like the reason this is feels like it's even brought up is simply for the fact of that Zeezrom is going to try and trick Amulek and like essentially try and explain. Um, and I don't know how I did the math. I'd done this previously, but um, I think like the amount of gold that he was willing to offer or something was like $3,000 essentially. And I could have done that wrong. I think I was just saying, like, if this was minimum wage, based off of minimum wage in, in the U.S., that's what it would have come out to now, was like $3,000. I don't know if I did it right. That was I did that in 2017, so I'd have to go back and look it up. But either way, just blown away. Like, to me, this just kind of helps strengthen, not necessarily strengthen my testimony, but like kind of like bulletproof it, if that makes sense, that... I don't know. I just don't. Like obviously, I believe it wasn't made up. You know what I mean? But that's just something that I'm like, yeah, no, there's no way. Okay, so then in now in verse twenty says, um, <coughs> excuse me, Ooh, sore throat. All right, in verse twenty it says, now it was for the sole purpose to get gain because they received their wages according to their employ. Therefore, they did stir up the people to riotings and all manner of disturbances and wickedness that they might have more employ that they might get money according to the suits which were brought before them. Therefore, they did stir up the people against Alma and Amulek. All I'm going to say about this is with everything happening right now in the world, that verse just felt kind of timely and interesting. And I, and I will just point out that historically it happened. Don't for a second think that it's not happening now. In verse 22, And Amulek said unto him, Yea, if it were according to the Spirit of the Lord which is in me, for I say nothing which is contrary to the Spirit of the Lord. And Zeezrom said unto him, Behold, here are the six ontis of silver. And and this is the, so that, yeah, the math I have is that, so that's 42 days of work. It turns out to be a par, approximately $3,360, and I believe that's based off of a minimum wage. Um, that was the minimum wage in 2017 in America. So that's how much money he was willing to give him. Uh, well, apparently, of course, Amulek catches him in his words, and he's like, you're full of it. The final one that I love was in uh, Alma 12, 9 to, uh, 9 to 11. It says, And now Alma began to expound these things unto him, saying, It is given unto many to know the mysteries of God. Nevertheless, they are laid under a strict command that they should not impart only according to the portion of his word, which he doth grant unto the children of men, according to the heed and diligence which they give unto him. And therefore, he that will harden his heart, the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word, and he that will not harden his heart to him is given the greater portion of the word, until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God, until he know them and know them in full. And they that will harden their hearts to that harden their hearts to them is given the lesser portion of the word, until they know nothing concerning his mysteries. And then they are taken captive by the devil and led by his will down to destruction. Now this is what is meant by the chains of hell. And in conclusion, what I want to say is that if we remain faithful and diligent and keep studying and keep seeking the mysteries of God, then we will know them in full. That's a promise. It's given in the Book of Mormon right here. So never think that you're done learning. And uh, that's something that I always try to remind myself is I'm never done learning. So keep going. And when it feels like we keep having the same lessons over and over again, it's because there's more to learn about the complexities of the gospel. And then in verse 11, I've had I've actually had this experience where... Um, once again, on my mission, there was an area where I went on exchanges with, and we went into this home, and it was the former uh, 
it was either the bishop or branch president, but it was his former, and he was inactive, and that kind of surprised me. And I, I was like, oh, it must have been years ago. And they were like, no, he was like the previous either bishop or branch president. Like I said, I can't remember, but went into his home and very friendly. Like he was really friendly. He kind of um, gone inactive and had stopped wearing his garments and same with his wife and stuff. And uh, we, But we went in to teach whichever lesson it was, and I think it was like the restoration. And as we were going through the lesson, he went to be like, oh, yeah, because of like whatever in agreeance, right? And the gospel principle, like he kind of got it wrong. And I remember being like, that's actually like a pretty basic thing to forget, like especially if you were in a, in a position like that in the church where you were, you know, a common judge in Israel. You should have known that. And we walked out of the home and the mission, um, the mission leader, as we got in the car, was like, you know, that scripture, and he would reference this one. He's like, you know, that scripture is not a joke. Like, if you if you quit, if you harden your heart and you quit giving heed to the word, the the very truth that you had and held sacred will be taken away from you. And that was that was a pretty powerful moment for me, where I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. So keep keep the word and keep your testimony sacred and and always strengthen it. Keep you know watering that that tree as we'll get to in Alma 30 but um cuz yeah we uh the truth you have will not just stay there it won't remain the same you have to endure to the end do that part of the gospel and so i just thought those are those are kind of my thoughts there um i hope everyone's doing well as always and continues to do well and i would love uh, if you got something, this this was an excellent lesson, so I'm sure you got something, and I'd, I want to hear it. So share with me your thoughts, and um, I, I will talk about it in the next episode. But until then, I will see you next time.